did this morning. And at this time, I see uh, Mrs. Maisie and Mr. Becker and Mr. Waldron and Mrs. Ludlow back there waiting for the kids. You are dismissed. Have a great time in Children's Church this morning. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome again to Renovation Church. My name is Jeremy Kelly. I'm one of the elders here, and we are still walking through, although I think it's been going by relatively quickly for a 15-week series, we're still walking through the Psalms of Ascent, and this is a... Uh, I think it's been a great journey, at least it has for me. I hope it has been for you. This morning we're reading Psalm 129, and I got to tell you, not a lot of people preach this psalm. (laughs) Uh, This is not a commonly referred to psalm. This is probably one of those uh, portions of scripture that like Thomas Jefferson back in the day didn't like and ripped out of the Bible. Um... This this is a this is a tough psalm, and it's I believe um, incredibly relevant to us today here at Renovation Church. I'm not just saying that because I'm preaching on it. I actually believe that this morning it has again as each of these psalms. I feel like I'm repeating myself, but as each of these psalms, as we walk through them, they have this capability. To, to paradigm and perspective shift us, to readjust us in our thinking to the Word of God in the midst of emotion, right? We're, we're emotional people. I know that I am. I'm very Italian. I, I'm, I, I am emotional. I talk with my hands. I cry. I, I watch my wife. Her heart is like a stone. I'm just... <laughs> And, and, and what's entertaining for her is we will be watching a movie or it could be one of those Maxwell House commercials where the kid comes home and they smell the coffee and the parents wake up and I'm getting misty-eyed and she's looking at me like, seriously? Seriously? Are you crying? She often says that to me. Are you crying? And, and then she begins to laugh. Um, that's me. But these psalms emit emotion. These are songs, songs of ascent. They're songs that the people of Israel sang as they went and traveled together and sojourned to to festivals. And and they sang these as songs uh, of remembrance. But what we see in poetry, what we see in art, what we see in songs are are the ability to use words to to draw from us um, very, very real emotion about circumstances and perspective and things. And, and that's what we see in Psalm 129. I'm one of those people that loves uh, real music. I don't know if that's the right phrase. But I like music that, that gets at something real. Does that, that, that's probably a better way to say it. Um, something with some angst to it, right? Sometimes it's a little angry. Anybody else? Uh, but, but you hear it and you listen to it and you say, yes, I felt that before. And, and you resonate with it while you're sitting in your car. Something about top 40 that doesn't really do that a lot, right? I mean, it, it makes you kind of like, I'm not going to lie. I, sometimes 
I leave Justin Bieber on. I do, and I'm confessing it publicly, and they're even recording it. Um, and it's only if I'm alone and no one else can accuse me of it, and, and I'll listen because, like, all right, I, I kind of like it. But, but there's something about real writing, like someone who, who can write a song, and, and sometimes it's, it's got some angst to it, but it's got some reality to it, something that resonates with you where you go, wow, yes, that's exactly how I'm feeling. Psalm 129 is, is a lot like that. And so let's, let's read that together this morning and just hear what, what the Lord would say to us in our own circumstances as we reflect on the psalmist's uh, very real emotion. Psalm 129. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, greatly have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like the grass on the housetops which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheaves his arms, nor do those who pass by say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, amen? Let's pray. God, we just pray this morning that you would reveal to us your word as we read this psalm, God, that you would draw from us, um, or that you would draw our hearts to you, that you would illuminate, that you would light up and make clear how you would speak to us through your word this morning. Thank you for it, that you do speak, that you have revealed your word to us. Draw us closer to you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. So here we see, um, we see this psalm that really uh, talks about affliction. We see a psalm that, that lays out um, some angst. We see a psalmist um, in a very real way just describing his emotion and his feelings as he muses, he, he repeats himself and, and lays out his, his, his affliction in a way that's very descriptive. And he says some things about his affliction and, and the Lord in the midst of this psalm that I believe can have great impact on our hearts and on our lives this morning. One of my favorite songs um, from years ago, uh, David Crowder wrote this song. And, and I always loved this song because it, it was very real. It was reminding, uh, it was memorable to me of, of a psalmist almost. But, but I listen to it sometimes in the midst of, of circumstances maybe in my life where, where I feel this affliction, where I feel the weight of difficulty, where I feel the weight of the struggle and, and as if I'm wrestling in life. And, and I submit that maybe some of you here today have felt that. Maybe some of you are in the midst of it. 
Maybe some of you have maybe come through it and, and have a very real memory of it and maybe heading towards it again. And, and, and others of you could be just in the depths of this despair and affliction as, as I'm talking to you this morning. And sometimes our prayers to the Lord, like this psalmist, become very guttural, don't they? Sometimes our prayers to the Lord become very real. There's been moments in my life where, where I've cried out to the Lord, when is this going to stop? God, where are you? When will the affliction, when will my enemies, those who would plow upon my back, when will it stop? When will it end? When, when do I get to see the light? And maybe that's the cry of some of you here this morning. Mike and I have met consistently uh, in elders meetings over the last couple of week and weeks and, and felt this as we've either met together or talked on the phone as we often do. Mike called me this week and he, he said, Jeremy, I just feel as though renovation, it's maybe even in a place where we're experiencing attack. People are going through it in our church. I recognize that as I look around this congregation this morning and the word of the Lord speaks to us this morning. Amen. David Crowder wrote this song, maybe something you pull up on your Apple Music or whatever you listen to, Spotify. But it always resonated with me because it was so real. And it's, it's as simple as this. The name of the song is All I Can Say. And the, the refrain of the song is this emotional, this is all I can say. How many of you guys have been there before? This is all I'm capable of saying in the midst of what's going on in my life. It says, Lord, I'm tired. So tired from walking. And Lord, I'm so alone. And Lord, the dark is creeping in. It's creeping up to swallow me. I think I'll stop and rest here a while. The chorus is, and this is all that I can say right now. This is all that I can give. That's my everything. This is all he's capable of saying. Verse 2 is almost sarcastic in his anger towards what's happening in his life. And you hear Crowder write this in the song. Is he speaking to the Lord? And didn't you see me crying? And didn't you hear me call your name? Wasn't it you I gave my heart to? I wish you'd remember where you sat it down. And then he goes on to sing, and this is all I can say. Anybody been there? All I'm capable of saying right now. This is all I can give. That's my everything. Then I love this perspective shift in this song. Verse 3. Or the, ver or the bridge. I didn't notice you were standing there. I didn't know that was you holding me. I didn't notice you were crying too. I didn't know that was you washing my feet. And then he goes back to, and this is all I can say right now. Isn't that a beautiful song? As he, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of affliction... Honestly, praise to the Lord his angst and his struggle and that is brought back around to a recognition 
of who God is and what he's actually doing in his life. I love that kind of honesty. I love that kind of prayer. And we see that here with the psalmist. In verse 1, we see, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. What we see in the first verse is, is a remembrance of past affliction. It's a, it's a struggle of, of, even from my youth, there's been great difficulty. And what we recognize from um, history is the people of Israel uh, up until this point, and we don't know exactly where this song of ascent fits into the way they would sing these and in what order, and maybe that would be helpful to know. But we see the reflection in the declaration of, of an affliction of a people. Um, from my youth you've afflicted me. You see, you see a reference to the people of Israel and you also hear a reference to the personal angst of the psalmist. Greatly I've been afflicted from my youth. And, and to the degree that it's not even quantified. He doesn't say how many times or where or when because we see in the language that this has happened so often. There has been consistent affliction, consistent difficulty, consistent um, tragedy um, in the enemy coming against them. And, and there's a reflection of it in the verse 1. And as the psalmist continues to muse, uh, it's almost as if the words can't come out quick enough. It's almost as if the psalmist has to say it again. He says, greatly have I been afflicted for my youth. Let Israel now say, greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. It's, it's as if it's burning in his heart, is it not? And it spills out. This confession of affliction. This, this need to just pray and let it out. Greatly have I been afflicted. Let Israel say, greatly have I been afflicted from my youth. And maybe some of you this morning, you relate to those consuming thoughts. Maybe some of you this morning, you feel that angst or that burning fire in your heart to, to pray or to cry out to the Lord. Uh, greatly have I been afflicted, like the psalmist does here. Something about the songs of ascent, as we've talked about week after week, is there's, there is guttural truth to it. There's something about the scripture that's just honest, that has some integrity to it. It's not fake or phony. It's not the Christian Cheshire cat smile. Hey, brother, how you doing? Everything's great. But no, there's a worship of the Lord that the people of Israel even did together as they sang this song and reflected on their affliction and on their difficulty. That's something we can do as the body of Christ together, as, as those who, who are family, uh, in the family of God together in this local expression. We can be honest about our affliction. We can confess our difficulty. We can stand with each other and reflect on what we've been going through. Greatly have I been afflicted. And the way Charles Spurgeon in the treasury of David, describes the next verse. I hope you hear it like a song. The next verse comes in like kettle drums in a symphony or like a trumpet that is about to sound. And those next words are this. Yet they have not prevailed against me. Amen? Yet they have not prevailed against me. Hear those words this morning from the word of the Lord. As you endure 
affliction, as you endure the enemy, as you endure difficulty, you can, as you are sitting here this morning, cry out to the Lord about your affliction, but stand in the truth regardless of your subjective situation. Stand in the truth of your circumstances and you can cry out, yet they have not prevailed against me. Amen? More truth here. I know this is a heavy, this is a heavy passage. Can't help it. Welcome to Sunday morning at Renovation Church. <laughs> we are not giving you your 10 steps to your best life this morning. <clears throat> We're talking to you about the truth of God's word. Sometimes it's heavy. Look at the next verse. The plowers plowed upon my back, and they made long their furrows. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their, furrow, their furrows. And we see this farming analogy of a plow that doesn't miss an inch. We see this farming analogy of a plow that, that runs stripes through the field, that cuts through the dirt in the, in the soil and the grass of a field and cuts up its furrow from one end of the field to the other end of the field. And the psalmist cries out and he says, the plowers have done this upon my back. As if you see the quivering flesh torn apart from one's back from one side to the other. We see a description of the enemy that is effective in its attack. We see the description of affliction that is effective in its burden and in its cutting through the life of somebody from one end to the other, not missing an inch. And he cries out as he says, the plower, it's as if he's plowing across my back from one end to the other and the furrow is long and it is effective and it does not miss. What a picture we see in this poetry. And I know as we sit here, some of you have felt the plower upon your back. Some of you feel it today. And as we see from Scripture, as we participate in life, in our path of obedience, in relating to the sufferings of Christ, if you live long enough and you haven't experienced it yet, you will. God does not promise us a life free of affliction, but we see an even greater promise here. We see the promise of God's righteousness and our ability through him to endure to the end, that they would not prevail against us, that you're knocked down but not destroyed. Amen? The plower plows across my back. The psalmist cries out, they made long their furrows. Thank God for verse 4. The Lord is righteous. Amen? The Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. What a beautiful picture. So we see the oxen, the picture of the oxen pulling the plow in the weight of the plow or the weight of the, the cords that would attach him to that plow, and, and the psalmist flips the analogy and says, God has cut the cords of the wicked, that the cords are cut. If you look at Psalm 124, you see the bird and the snare, and the cord is cut, and there is, an, there is a, a picture of freedom 
as God cuts the cords of the wicked and the plow can no longer go across the back of the, of the psalmist, that the cords are cut and the cutting stops and there's a freedom that we see in this declaration. The Lord is righteous. I'm enduring affliction. I'm enduring my enemies who are plowing across my back and the furrows are long and true. But God cuts the cords of the wicked and I feel a freedom because of his righteousness. Amen? It's a good word from the Lord. The Lord is righteous. I, 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 uh, you, we can't help but, but recognize in the midst of, of our difficulty here today the righteousness of the Lord, which is ours because of the person of Jesus Christ. I think we have to take a moment and see in the midst of the psalm the biblical theology, the theme that runs through Scripture that this psalm is pointing to is the reality that Jesus is our righteousness because He experienced a scourging across His back that cut deep on our behalf for us. Amen? He was afflicted. He was beaten. He took upon us the affliction of us all, as we see in Isaiah. He took upon us the affliction in the punishment of all of us. And in the righteous judgment of God, He experienced judgment on our behalf for us. And in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the cords of the wicked are broken. If you're struggling with sin today, our greatest enemy is sin and death. And that, that, that enemy that would come against us, that would feel as though a plow upon our back, that continues to beat, that continues to afflict, you can stand in the truth of Scripture today. That, that God is righteous and his righteousness was executed upon Jesus in our place for us and his righteous life is now ours, is substituted for our unrighteousness. We stand in the righteousness of Christ and there is freedom from sin, there is freedom from death, there is freedom from affliction because of Jesus, amen? He's cut the cords of the wicked. The Lord is righteous he has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. This is one of those, one of those moments that we see in Scripture that just isn't really politically correct today. This imprecatory psalm, a psalm where you would wish that the unrighteous would not prevail. Um, it doesn't fly in our culture today to wish anything like that or... You know, we have a hard time even disagreeing today without being called something. Um, but what we see here is we see the psalmist cry out for God's judgment upon the wicked. The Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned back. You know... What I see here is, is the psalmist praying against the wicked prevailing. And, and I think what we can see from Scripture as we let all the verses be true, as we let the Word of God speak to us, is that the psalmist is not crying out that, that, uh, there, would be, that there would be a personal calamity because of, who a per, because of a person but what the psalmist is crying out for is that those who oppose the cross, those who oppose uh, uh, God's 
will, those who oppose godliness and are pursuing wickedness and are pursuing uh, that, that they as the wicked would prevail, he's praying against that to say, I want the, the wicked to be undercut. I want the wicked to not be prevail. I want the wicked to be stopped in their tracks. And those who would somehow read a psalm like this and be offended by it, have they never seen injustice and desired justice in the midst of it? I start a murder trial on Monday, tomorrow. And as I continually review the photographs that I have to show a jury this week, and if any of you are in a jury pool, you're now excluded, sorry. <coughs> At least you got a way out of it. Oh, I was sitting in church, he talked about it, I can't. <coughs> as I see, uh, as I review the evidence in the case and the brutality of this homicide, I, something in my heart cries out for justice. It's got to be, this, this wickedness has to be stopped. It has to be stopped. And that's what the psalmist is saying. Yes, I want the wicked to not prevail. I want them to be stopped. I want them to be turned back, and I want them to be stopped. How relevant, how, how prevalent is this not in our world today? Anybody, it seems so far from us, but it's really not. Anybody could turn on the news today and see Christians being burned alive in Syria, seeing, seeing believers beheaded and, and, and people persecuted on a level that, that really is descriptive of this passage. And, and the cry of our heart should be, the wicked need to be stopped. Their plans need to be thwarted. They need to be destroyed. God, we're crying out to you for justice. Amen? And that's where this psalmist is. He's saying, those that would come against me, those that would come against the Lord, the wicked, in their plans of wickedness, God, stop them. Turn them back. And that is an okay prayer for us today to make. That God would stop the wicked in the plans of the wicked. The Lord is righteous. He's cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. I love this. Let them be like the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand. The grass on the housetops in, in this particular culture would be a, a very brief and quick annoyance, something that no one cares about or misses when it's gone. And what you would see is you would see grass that would flare up on the flat rooftop because it would have a moment of sun where a flash of green was possible and it would, it would grow up and it would display its greenness in terms of being grass but not have any soil or any water to dig into or to allow it to grow into maturity and it would quickly turn brown and be blown away and it would wither and it would die. And the psalmist is saying, the wicked are like grass on a rooftop. Those of you in the path of obedience who are experiencing affliction, who are relating to Christ and his sufferings, as you walk through a life of obedience to Christ and you look outside of your situation and you see the wicked and you say, it seems as though the wicked are flourishing Know this, 
that their flourishing is brief, that they are as if a flash that flashes up and goes away. But no one, they shall not prevail against you, and you will endure to the end. If you were to look at the end of the righteous experiencing affliction and the wicked that have a flash of flourishing and then are dead and gone away, count me among the saints who endure to the end and not among those whose end is in the fires. Amen? That's what this passage is saying. There may be a temptation in the midst of your, of your difficulty, in the midst of your affliction to look at the wicked and say, how are they flourishing? How is it that they seem to mock and, and do what they would do and, and nothing comes against them? And the scriptures are pointing you to a very real reality and that's take a look at their end and look at yours. Stand in the righteousness of Christ who will not allow the enemy to prevail against you. Stand in the righteousness of a God who will bring justice and you will endure and it will produce in you an endurance as we see in James and the wicked are like grass that flash up and they're gone away and their end is not what you want to participate in. Amen? What an interesting perspective shift as you walk through affliction, as you feel as though the plower is plowing against your back. You can look to the truth of Scripture and say, God, I, I stand in the truth that you are righteous. They will not prevail, and you will cause me to endure to the end. Amen? James 1, 2 says, Consider it joy. When you encounter various trials. And you, I read that passage and I go, what? Right? Who experiences joy in the midst of trial? It's a perspective shift. What he's saying to you is, consider a joy when you experience all kinds of trials because the testing of your faith produces endurance, which produces in you the character that God is building in your life. And the wicked may have a flash of, of a great party for a moment, but it's meaningless and it's a flash in the pan and it's gone and they experience judgment. But you in the path of obedience, you're going to experience affliction. You're going to experience a testing of your faith. And like a runner who gets out there for the first time and runs the first mile and experiences the struggle and the pain, the next time you get out there and run again, you're going to go two miles. And the next time you get out there and run again, you're going to go five miles. In that testing, that pain, that struggle, produces an ability to endure and this is what we want to endure to the end amen? amen that's what he's doing in our lives i uh i grew up wrestling because as you can see basketball was not an option for me um i could dribble right mike could uh all right i could shoot a little i could wrestle which is exactly what I did when I used to play Mike in basketball. Every time Mike would run his mouth and shoot his little three-point shots, he was always going to catch an elbow as he came into the hole. And <laughs> yeah, and call foul, of course. <clears throat> so, but there was something about the sport of wrestling that I love. And I have unfortunately inflicted this upon my children. And now Aiden is doing the same thing. And it's more painful, believe me, as a parent to watch your kid wrestle than it is to actually wrestle yourself. But there's something about the sport that I love. 
it, it's, it's like a, it's a battle, right? I mean, wrestling, you go out there, and there's nobody else out there. There's nobody to blame. There's no teammate you can blame it on. Either at the end of the match, they raise your hand or they raise the other dude's hand, and it's all on you. And there's something particularly exciting about overcoming and prevailing in a wrestling match and getting your hand raised, and there's something particularly difficult and, and torturous about watching the other guy get his hand raised. But that's the glory of that sport, is it's a battle, it's a wrestling match. I see that picture in this psalm. For the believer, there is a struggle, there is a wrestling, there is an enduring, there is something to righteousness that produces difficulty and testing that produces endurance. And I think we need to hear that today because we've seen in the context of these psalms that even last week or the week before, blessed is the man who what? Who fears the Lord, right? Here's what I'm trying to say. In the path of obedience, there's affliction and there's struggle because obedience isn't easy. But as my dad always used to say to me, there's nothing worth doing that's easy, right? There's joy that comes from the struggle. There's joy that comes from the wrestling match. There's joy and endurance that comes from a life of obedience that experiences difficulty and affliction. And you, you recognize the joy because of the struggle and the affliction, right? Some of you are in the midst of struggle in, in, in work, struggle in health, struggle in family and marriage struggle with kids, and let me declare something to you, and, and I, it's, it, it comes from scripture, it really does, it sounds like a t-shirt, but it's, it's not. Many times, the right thing to do is the hard thing, and, and where you want to make a choice that says my fleeting happiness would cause me to choose this thing because it feels easier right now, you're headed down the wrong road because the road of endurance and blessing, which is real joy that comes from God that goes beyond your ability to understand, which is so much better than fleeting happiness and things that make you feel good for a moment and make you feel terrible after, McDonald's, right? It's, it's the joy that comes from doing the right thing and walking through the struggle and the affliction, right? I've talked to people in marriage counseling in family counseling or in, or in other types of difficulty, and they just say, I can't do this, it's too hard, I just want to quit. Let me tell you what's harder. Let me tell you what's more destructive. Let me tell you what will ruin your life. Quitting will. But enduring and doing the right thing and struggling through what God's called you to do will produce endurance and joy and blessing because you fear the Lord more than you fear feeling bad for a moment. Struggle through. Lay your life down. Sacrifice what you feel like doing in the moment. And let God come in and his righteousness cause you to prevail and endure and experience the blessing at the end and not the fleeting flash of, of grass on a rooftop that flourishes for a moment and is blown away just as quick. Amen? withers before it grows up. It's, it's like in verse 7, the reaper can't get anything into his hands. There's nothing to take home. Does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheaves 
with his arm is what we would see as the picture of the farmer that would go to his harvest and, and take home a bounty full of what's been growing. The wicked, it's, it's as if they reach for it and there's nothing there. It's all gone. It's all blown away. Pursue temporal happiness. Pursue a life of what is really an opposition to God and wickedness. And you will not take anything home. There's no blessing in that. There's a flash of green and then gone. But in the path of obedience, in the, in the fear of the Lord, the righteous will endure, will prevail. God will hold you up. He will be there in the midst of the affliction, in the midst of the struggle. And in your life, character and endurance and perseverance will be, will be produced by a God who loves you. And listen who knows your affliction because he's been there. Amen. Nor do those who pass by say the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. And, and what he's saying there is that we're not going to look to the wicked and, and, and call for their blessing. As if they would, back in the day of harvest, they would say, the Lord be with you, Lord bless you. And they'd look to their number, neighbor, the Lord be with you, the Lord bless you. As we look to the, to the wicked, that's not the communication. We do not want the wicked to prevail or to be blessed. Christians, here's what this psalm tells us. They're not going to prevail against you. Amen? Let's get perspective on the difficulty we're facing. And some of you, that is so easy for those words to come out of my mouth, but you're experiencing difficulty that is all-consuming. Please hear that the psalmist was completely consumed with his affliction in the first two verses. The words had to come out twice. Completely consumed. And some of you this morning may feel completely consumed. I want to quote, I'm really going to paraphrase because I didn't write the quote down, but I've heard it a million times, uh, a message by John Piper that is famously inserted into the midst of a song um, that seems to have flown around social media and the internet. But the clip of this message, the heart of what John Piper says, is again, I'm paraphrasing, is that your affliction in comparison to glory, it's momentary. Your affliction in the path of obedience in comparison to glory is momentary. And it's totally meaningful. Every and I'm quoting Dr. Piper, every millisecond of your affliction in the path of obedience has a particular reason for it. And it is producing in you a peculiar glory to come. Don't say it's meaningless. That's Dr. Piper's cry. Don't say that it's meaningless. 
totally meaningful. As you pursue obedience in Christ, difficulty in family, cancer, tragedy, little boy that was hit this last week and his life was taken, hit close to our home. And you want to say it's totally meaningless. My son Aiden sat with him on the bus every day for two years. He was devastated by the news that his friend had died tragically. Totally meaningless. It's not. It is working in you an eternal weight of glory. Take heart. Take heart. Preach these truths to yourself every day until the word of God washes over your heart and your heart sings with the truth of what he's declared to you, not the lie of the wicked that would come against you and cause you to be destroyed or despair. He will not prevail against you. Amen? God is working. A character and an endurance and a glory into your life as you walk with Him. Amen? Let's pray. recognize this morning that that just a, a off-the-cuff prayer here about the message is, seems inappropriate. That there's great prayer need in the midst of this congregation here this morning. So if you need prayer this morning, let's do that together. If this is your heart this morning and you are in the midst of it, let's pray together now. Let's allow the Word of God to wash over us and give us perspective, hold us up. Let the body of Christ be a part of holding you up and walking you through what I don't doubt may be difficult days to come, may be Decisions that, that feel as though the plowman is on your back. Be reminded this morning of the word of the Lord. They will not prevail against you. There is endurance. Let's pray. God, we, we come to you with great need. We come to you this morning much like the psalmist. reflecting on some feeling uh, very real in time emotion about difficult, ever-present struggle and affliction. And we cry out to you, Lord, in honesty, in guttural honesty, we need you. How long, Lord? And as we see throughout the Psalms, we look to the hills where our help comes from. We look to the, the righteous one. We lift our eyes to the Lord and recognize you are our help. That you are ever present in the midst of struggle. That, that like 
Crowder depicts in the song in the midst of wondering where you are. It just takes a, a, a real recognition that you're right there, that you're crying to, that you're holding us. And where we want to quit, where we want to give in to temporal happiness, where we want to make decisions that would be wicked and not in line with fearing you, Lord, uh, for a pursuit of just relief or a pursuit of just feeling better for a moment, let us recognize that it will not work, that it is a counterfeit. And let us continue to fear you and endure in, in the life that you've called for us as we obey. Let us recognize that the, the affliction against us and the wickedness is fleeting, but we will endure as your children because you're righteous and you have prevailed for us in Christ. Give strength this morning. Show love and compassion this morning, Lord. I pray that you would help those in the midst of this to feel your, your presence and the reality of your love and the holding of your hand and the support that comes only from you, the only one who could cause us to stand and endure. We look to you in reliance on you, desperately in need of you this morning, and we thank you that you do not disappoint, that you are a faithful God. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Let's stand.